people aren't being given the respect they deserve. And that's just a theme that I've been seeing. And I think we really have to understand that each human being is valuable. And so we want to leave people better than when we first met them. And I think that sets the framework for a meaningful life. And so just being that safe person that people can rely on when times are tough. And I know times are tough right now. And I think Feeling alone and loneliness is one of those things that can be addressed by just simply asking someone today, tell me your story. How did your day go? Right. And I think this will positively change your life as well as transform the lives of people around you. Hey, guys, this is a really special episode today. As some of you may know, I'm really passionate about financial literacy and financial education, so this is a really special guest. Alphil Grilleran is the co-founder of the Financial Literacy Council. Over the past two decades, they have been committing to building financial literate generations through financial planning and education. Alphil is the winner of the 2020 IFSE Institute Financial Literacy Champion of the Year Award, so he knows his stuff. All right, let's jump into the podcast, pull out your pens and papers, and enjoy. And we are live. I'm super excited to have my next guest on. Um, it's a topic I'm really passionate about, financial literacy. I have Alphil on the podcast. He's a co-founder of Financial Literacy Council. He's building financial literate uh, generations to come. He actually won the uh, 2020 IFSE Institute Financial Literacy Champion of the Year Award. Welcome to the podcast, Alphil. Thank you. It's an honor to be a part of your podcast. I'm really grateful that you are putting a spotlight on the topic of financial literacy today. Um, again, it's a topic I'm really passionate about. But before I get into all that, hop up, give us a little rundown of your origin story, kind of who Alpha is. So I was born and raised in Vancouver by immigrant parents who came from the Philippines. Uh, they met here in Canada, uh, in Vancouver specifically. Uh, my mom grew up in an entrepreneurial Filipino-Chinese family. And my dad was a firm believer in the importance of job security and having a pension. And so I have to say my first role model uh, was my mom. Uh, she set me up for success at a very young age by making sure I learned the important concept of making passive income, which is making money that, did, that does not involve exchanging your time, talent, and skill for money. So I can remember when at such a young age, I think I was 12 or 13, she would take me to listen to leaders like Zig Ziglar, who taught me that if you can solve people's problems, you're never going to run out of ways of making money. And she also had me spend time with her realtor, who was Bob Rennie. Uh, Bob Rennie is a very well-known real estate marketer. And he taught her the best piece of investment advice, which is when you borrow money to invest, you can write off the cost of interest. And so this really empowered and emboldened my mom to invest in Vancouver real estate back in the 80s before we basically gave our business card to the rest of the world through Expo 86. Uh, he was also the one who encouraged me to read two books, The Wealthy Barber by David Chilton and Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, which lays out the four ways of earning money, which is employee self-employed, which is more on the, on the uh, earned income side of things. So you need to exchange your time, talent, labor for money versus business owners and investors, which create systems for creating passive income. So they own business systems. So I took my mom's advice when it came to earning passive income. But first, uh, one of the things I also learned actually through my uncle was the concept of uh, process. So if you want to build something significant and be able to scale it, 
you need to continue to refine a business process. And so I thought, well, what better way to learn process than to work at McDonald's? So that was actually one of my first jobs was to learn how McDonald's work from the inside by working there. And then I took that to start a uh, at a young age, I think I was probably 16, uh, because of my um, just mentorship with um, my mom's realtor, and as well as my mom, was uh, I started a real estate um, rental company. So I would help my mom and her friends uh, rent out their real estate. So whether it's a basement in their home, or maybe they had a rental property. And so I took it upon myself to put the ads in the Vancouver Sun and the Vancouver province, uh, so that uh, they could find tenants. And so that's kind of where I started um, when it came to my or when it comes to my origin story. Wow, that's that's amazing. It seems like you're very started at a very young age. The entrepreneurial kind of uh, mindsets uh, was really baked into you at, the, at a very young age. Um, mm. In terms of now being financial, um, being a financial literacy uh, mentor, coach, and uh, role model. The last few months have been uh, stressful for a lot of people, but because of the pandemic and what's going on globally, but what's maybe a few pieces of, of advice to put a budget together uh, if you're looking to kind of get your finances in order? Yeah, so when it comes to budgeting, we actually don't use the word budgeting because we believe in empowering people uh, in order to actualize their goals. And so when you talk about a budget, we tend to think that it has to do with limitations. Oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. And so a better word would be a spending plan. And so we are always about helping people get empowered by having a spending plan. And a spending plan really relates to uh, so if you want to relate it to the pandemic is really knowing yourself and owning your own story. And so the clearer you are about what you want in life, regardless what is happening around us, whether it's a pandemic, whether there's worry, whether there's anxiety, you're better, you're better able to have boundaries. So when we talk about a spending plan, we talk about what is on your plate, what are your priorities and what needs to be pruned. So plate really relates to what are your roles and responsibilities right now at this stage of your life? What are the priorities in terms of spending related to those roles and responsibilities? And if something's not aligned, that's where pruning comes into place. So if anyone's ever done any gardening, pruning is actually a very healthy thing. It helps your garden flourish. So it's the same with our lives. We do need to uh, check in, uh, be honest with ourselves in terms of uh, what needs to be pruned so we can flourish. And so right now during the pandemic, I'm encouraging everyone uh, to sit down, take some time to do a very powerful exercise called mind mapping. So mind mapping is just really putting in front of you, well, what are your life goals? And so and it's just a reminder that, you know what, what is important? Relationships, maybe there are things you want to experience once the pandemic uh, passes, uh, as well as maybe you want to give to causes that are important to you. And so really, um, living your life rather than, um, you know, worrying and being uh, in fear, uh, especially in the times that we're living in right now. Uh, the other thing around a budget, we always encourage people that the secret to money management is to have more cash cows than cash pigs. So if you're faced with a financial decision, you do need to ask yourself, is this going to help me move ahead? Meaning, will this thing that I'm buying is it going to help me create passive income or will it just be a cash pig, meaning I enjoy it for the moment and then I got to buy it again. And of course, there's the law of diminishing returns. So often we have to buy more. <laughs> and so uh, I'm not saying cash pigs are bad. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying we need to have more cash cows than cash pigs. 
Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree. I think at the end of the day, you have to live your life and having cash pigs necessarily isn't bad, but also having that mindset and having that balance of having cash cows to kind of see that ROI back. Um, mm-hmm. One term you did mention that I want to kind of go back on was financial empowerment. Um, this is such a uh, passion topic for me. I think financial literacy, passion, uh, or empowerment is something that's really um, important and people should really take take hold of. But um, in your terms, Alpha, what's financial empowerment and why is it important? So financial empowerment, so the empowerment word itself is, so financial empowerment is the ability to make your own informed financial choices to reach your life goals. And I believe it's really important because there is dignity in having choices. And I find that in our schools, although they are effective in helping children become fluent when it comes to things like languages or even um, like science and whatnot, Uh, However, there is little training when it comes to being fluent about the language of money. So there's definitely a financial literacy gap that needs to be addressed so that children can enter adulthood empowered with the confidence to make informed money choices. Now, I remember when uh, my wife and I, and as well as friends before I was married, we'd go travel to different countries. So imagine if you visited a foreign country where you don't speak the language, you can often feel vulnerable and powerless. And so this is why I'm so passionate about financial literacy and empowering the people that I teach, uh, because financial fluency can help them achieve their full potential as as well as reach their financial goals and their life goals at that. Absolutely. I think that um, you sort of answered my, my next question, but I, I want to post to you, what's maybe some of your favorite parts of your current role right now? So my favorite part of my current role is actually teaching and developing content and material and messaging that really lands with the audience that I, I teach and that I mentor. And so I spend a lot of time uh, working with business owners. I spend a lot of time working with professionals who often they're very good at what they do because they've trained years and years. For example, doctors, they'll train like up to 14, 16 years to become a physician. However, there is a gap there in terms of financial literacy. So they're clinically really competent. However, when it comes to their finances, there's there's some vulnerability there. There's a lack of confidence there. And so my favorite part of my work is uh, really teaching and helping Canadians become financially fluent. That's awesome. Uh, one thing that always comes up in terms of money is money and happiness. Uh, mm-hmm. I have debates with my peers and friends about, oh, does money make you happy? Only if I had a million dollars, I'd be so much more happier. But in uh, your perspective, Elfil, uh, what's kind of the role between um, money and happiness, or even if there, even if there is a, a connection? Yeah, so there is definitely a correlation between money and happiness, but only to a certain point. So I remember uh, reading, I think it was a Princeton University study, I think it was probably 10 years ago now, uh, which found that there is a correlation between happiness and wealth, but only up to $75,000. And of course, this is US, so you need to do the conversion in Canada. Because at that point, there is a sense of economic security and the ability to provide for your needs as well as the needs of your family. And so uh, I find that oftentimes when people make above a certain amount, uh, there's this, I guess his name was Mace. He was a rapper back in the 90s. (laughs) And he had a song called Mo Money, Mo Problems. I believe it was him. But uh, that's where I find that when you make too much money, then there's sort of this... uh, introspection, you look inward, uh, maybe there's some 
you know, distrust of the people around you because, oh, now that I have a lot, people are knocking on your door. So you're kind of going, who can I trust? And so it just creates this uh, snowball effect um, in terms of, um, yeah, just, <laughs> I guess the, the, the correlation between happiness and money seems to diminish after a certain point. But I would have to say, I do agree with that study from Princeton, that there is a correlation to, mo to money and happiness, but only to a certain point. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's totally, I, I'm in the same boat as you, Alpha. I think that money to a certain point um, can take away some of your stresses and that kind of could lead to some, some happiness. But overall, um, there's a limiting, um, uh, curve there, but, uh, in terms of, um, maybe a question or maybe a myth that you often get, or often you want to debunk, what's maybe one that you want to share with the audience, a myth or maybe a common mis misconception about money or uh, financial literacy that you'd like to debunk. So a myth would be, I guess a big one, and I'm seeing this a lot, is the idea, and I don't know where as a society we were trained, that I don't need a financial plan until I have money to invest or I have money saved. I think that's just backwards. I think uh, the best thing we can do is prepare, uh, and I think uh, good things happen to those who prepare. And so one myth I want to debunk is you don't need to have a large sum of money to have a financial plan. You can start that today because uh, financial planning is something we all need to do. And then I just believe that if we fail to plan, we plan to fail basically. And so uh, I think that's the myth I want to debunk the idea that, Oh, until I'm rich or until I have money, I need a financial plan. I, I just want to debunk that right here, right now that no, regardless how much you have, you need a financial plan. Yeah. And I implore my audience, start a financial plan right now. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe a little bit more tactical, dig in a little bit. What's maybe one or two or three things that people uh, could do to start their plans or have, have in their plans, I guess, would be a better question. So what they should have in their plan is really looking at, well, what do you want in life? And it goes back to knowing yourself, owning your story, uh, going back to the mind map. I think that's the first plan. I mean, that's the first step in having a financial plan. It's just really being clear as to what do you want in life and work backwards. So growing up, uh, another book that really impacted me was The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And one of the principles is, of course, begin with the end in mind. And so I think that's where your financial plan needs to start. It needs to start with knowing yourself, beginning with the end in mind in terms of what you want, and uh, basically from there, working towards that goal. And another practical thing is um, when it comes to planning, of course, a big part of it is managing your assets and money that's coming in or money that you're saving or perhaps even borrowing money to invest. But what if you don't have the ability to do that? So I think one of the most overlooked areas of financial planning is the area of risk management. And I think we all face risks every single day and the pandemic has definitely highlighted that. <laughs> and so we need to really think about, well, what's the risk to me if I'm not able to work? What's the risk to me if I can't save? And so that's where adequate insurance planning needs to come into place. And that's a big part of your financial plan. 
uh, as well as estate planning, because you and I don't know when our expiration dates are. And then we want to leave people better than when we first met them. And so it's really important for us uh, to have things like a will, an enduring power of attorney to give somebody we trust the ability to make financial, legal, and real estate decisions if we're incapacitated for some reason, as well as a healthcare agreement. And I know in some provinces that's all tied together with the power of attorney, but in British Columbia, you need a separate document called a healthcare agreement or representation agreement to give somebody you trust the ability to make healthcare decisions uh, if you're not able to. And then when it comes to uh, building wealth, I always encourage people to start investing a small amount of money. It could be as little as $50 a month. And this will force you to be aware of what's going on around you. So the current events that are affecting uh, the companies and the investments inside your portfolio, as well as remembering that when you and I invest, we're actually voting with our own dollars, which business ideas deserve to succeed. So it's always a good idea to get invested. I call it having some skin in the game. Uh, and so uh, it's good to start with just even a small portfolio, whether you do that uh, through a tax-free savings account so that the growth is tax-free. And when it comes time to spend it, it's uh, tax-free as well. Um, or an RRSP. So that can help you as well on a tax perspective in terms of having some deductions at tax time. Absolutely. And one topic that also always comes uh, in the form of a friendly debate uh, with peers and friends uh, is the topic of debt. Uh, some mm. say... There's good and bad debt. Some people say that's only that's only bad. Um, what 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 do you what's kind of your perspective on debt? So my perspective is we learn oftentimes from our parents. So the way they talked about money, argued about money, maybe they had a certain perspective when it came to debt. The thing is, debt is an inevitable part of living in our society. We're going to have to deal with debt, and not all debt is bad. And I'm going to say that again: not all debt is bad. There is good debt and there is bad debt. Bad debt is when you and I borrow money to buy things that depreciate. <laughs> and so, for example, if you buy a car, the second you drive it off the lot, it's probably worth 20 to 30% less than uh, you just paid for it. Whereas there is good debt, and good debt is borrowing money to buy assets that go up in value. And so it's always a good idea to um, take stock and do an audit as to, well, what category does my debt fall into? So if you're borrowing money for the purposes of, you know what, this could go up in value, it could be real estate, uh, buying, uh, borrowing money to invest in maybe stocks of companies that you understand and uh, that you know and are confident that will do well in the future, that's okay. If you borrow money to go to school, that gives you the ability to you know refine your skills or build some skills that make you employable or perhaps start a business. So in that case, those I would categorize as good debt. And I think that's okay when you go into debt for that reason. And of course, please do not go into debt because you want to prove other people wrong. And so, uh, or you want to keep up with the Joneses, for example. So I see oftentimes uh, people fall into that trap. They want to prove other people wrong. Uh, maybe they're struggling with unworthiness. And so there's, you know what, if I could just, you know, borrow money to get a Porsche or, you know, like buy a certain brand of clothing or handbag or whatever it is, uh, just to, uh, you know, increase my, my, the way people perceive me. I think that would be, uh, I, I think, a red flag. Um, so don't borrow money to prove other people wrong. I think there's something to be said about contentment. 
Absolutely. I love that. Don't keep up with the Joneses. <laughs> Live your life. <laughs> and no, absolutely, absolutely. And kind of going back to what you were saying about the cash, was a cash cow and cash pig. Uh, yes. Buy more cash cows if you have to go into debt and not cash pigs. Um, yeah, all, 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 all the things you're, you're mentioning here, Alpha, are awesome. Um, if someone wants to increase their financial literacy, though, what are some what are some ways to go about that? Like, if someone's listening right now, like, oh, okay, I need to get more cash cows. What what's what's kind of a good way to start building that financial literacy? Uh, one, you need to read, <laughs> uh, and I know reading is for millennials perhaps not their go-to right now. So maybe watch videos. So, for example, podcasts such as uh, Joe Momo's <laughs> podcast. Uh, he's got some great speakers uh, on the topic. Uh, another one that I like listening to. Is um, it's called Valuetainment. It's uh, by Patrick Bet David, and uh, his story is quite unique. Uh, but he's got a lot of good insight. He's able to synthesize very complex financial principles or or uh, themes and make it very simple. Uh, and so I, I would start there. So I think reading, um, following uh, different thought leaders on this uh, topic, and so. But from a practical perspective, I think it goes back to what I was saying. Uh, start with the mind map, have a financial plan, and just really stick to some habit of saving and investing by starting um, an investment plan, uh, even at $50, just so that you're aware of the world around you. Because I think if you have skin in the game, uh, you're more likely to say, you know what, what's going on here? What are the trends? Is this company making money? Uh, have they anticipated certain risks? And I think as you learn that, you also apply it in your own life and uh, in terms of building wealth for yourself and for your family. Yeah, that's the goal at the end of the day to provide for your family and have a sustainable future. Mm -hmm. um, as I mentioned, I'm sure you mentor and talk to a lot of people, um, but what's maybe something that inner interactions that maybe a question that you never get asked that you wish you would be asked. Yeah. So there is uh, one question that I wish people would ask me, but I tend to weave it into my presentations is basically what's the secret to living a meaningful life. And I think of Braveheart, it talks about everyone dies, but not everyone really lives. <laughs> and so, and I think when it comes to uh, financial literacy, that's really, it. I mean, being able to be confident around money uh, really does help you have a meaningful life. So, so what are the secrets? Uh, so I think I already alluded to this uh, earlier, but I would answer as uh, leave people better than when you first met them. So I think if you approach life in that way, uh, you understand the intrinsic value of every person you meet. And I know uh, recently, or I guess over the years, there's just been sort of this uh, uh, people aren't being given the respect they deserve. And that's just a theme that I've been seeing. And I think we really have to understand that each human being is valuable. And so we want to leave people better than when we first met them. And I think that sets the framework for a meaningful life, as well as making it a habit to say three following phrases. Now, I learned this from a thought leader named Dr. Rod Wilson, and so I really respect the work that he does. And there are three phrases that he cites that will change your life and the lives of the people around you. And so really, it comes down to saying thank you, 
And it's hard to say thank you, especially in a world where we feel entitled, like uh, I'm great, you're not, that type of uh, thinking uh, makes it very difficult for us to say thank you. Uh, the second phrase is to say, I'm sorry. Now, it's also difficult to say, I'm sorry, especially in a world where, you know, you feel like a victim, like, well, why should I say sorry? I have a really tough situation. And so I think there's something to be said when we own our mistakes um, by saying, I'm sorry. And last but not least, saying the phrase, well, tell me your story. So very similar to what you're doing with me, just the providing a safe space uh, for people to share their story. And I know there's a movement there. It's okay to not be okay. And so just being that safe person that people can rely on uh, when times are tough. And I know times are tough right now. And, um, and I think feeling alone and loneliness is one of those things that can be addressed uh, by just simply asking someone today, tell me your story. How did your day go? Right. And I think this will positively change your life as well as transform the lives of people around you. Wow. I really love that. I mean, that's something I try to incorporate into my life as well. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So Alpha, tell me your story. <laughs> wow. I love that. No, it's been, it's been fun that chat with you. What's maybe um, something that you're proud of that we haven't touched on in the interview and your story just yet. Yeah. So I think uh, two things that I'm proud of is um, just you know, when you're in leadership and you're a business owner, you can often feel alone and it's kind of alone at the top. And so one thing that I wanted to share with your listeners is a quote by Brene Brown. And so this has really inspired me. It's something um, I've been getting into a lot of what she's been writing. A good friend of mine gave gifted me her book. Uh, it's called Daring Greatly. Just talks about the courage of being vulnerable and how that transforms you as well as uh, the way you love others. And so there's a quote that I ran into recently um, and it's called, and it, it, it's, and she writes, uh, you either walk inside your story and own it, or you stand outside your story and hustle for your worthiness. And so I guess I'll just be honest with everyone is that this really does resonate with me because I've had to make the choices in leadership as a business owner uh, to own my story rather than be a victim of what others have done to me in the past. So I grew up in an environment, it wasn't very healthy. My father, my grandfather spoke what I guess would be called curses on me, such as you're good for nothing. Oh, this is my grandson. That's not going to amount to anything. So I learned that. So I learned that and I'm learning that the words that we say to others can be thousand pound weights. So they can either be curses or they can be blessings. And so and often when we live under those curses, it leads us to making life decisions based on proving other people wrong. And of course, this has a correlation to money and going into debt. And so because the problem is it costs money <laughs> to prove other people wrong <laughs> and it could lead to, you know, the cyclical uh, form of debt. So I really appreciate Brene Brown for her insight. And I'm really proud that uh, uh, because of friends, counseling and just people that I trust, uh, that I am building that courage that it takes to be vulnerable as well as to own my story. And the second thing I'm proud of is two, about three months ago, actually, yesterday, my, my, my son turned three months old. And so my wife, Crystal, and I, uh, we, we welcomed our first child. His name is Micah. And so uh, we love uh, that name because it relates to justice. It relates to, you know, uh, being humble. And so I'm proud to be a husband to the most loving and beautiful woman in the world, as well as the father to the most precious uh, baby in the world. And so 
really proud of that uh, recently. Oh, wow. That's, that's amazing. Again, congrats. Um, Thank you. Yeah, it's a, yeah, he's a miracle baby. I'm, I'm, I'm in my 40s, and I never thought I would have a child. And uh, so he's definitely a precious gift. That's awesome. And I, again, I really appreciate you being on the podcast and really sharing your story and being vulnerable, like you said. Um, Thank I you. Think it's going to really resonate with our audience. And um, we just love to see your, see your future journey and all the great things you're going to continue to do. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. It's been an honor. And I like to end the podcast with, you may have already answered this, but uh, one, one piece, your best piece of financial advice uh, that you've ever gotten to end the podcast interview. My best piece of uh, financial advice I have ever received. Well, <laughs> there's, there's a lot. Um, I would have to say it goes back to knowing yourself. Um, the best piece of financial advice I could ever give anyone is really take the time to look in the mirror and know who you are. Because once you know who you are, it creates the framework and the on-ramp to determine what is on your plate, what are your priorities, and what needs to be proved. And so you could live your best life um, rather than trying to prove other people wrong or living someone else's life or living under the expectations that other people have on you. So I think my best piece of financial advice is really to know yourself. And from there, that will give birth to um, prioritizing your finances. And one last question, Elfo. Uh, where can our listeners connect with you online? If you have more questions, want to pick your brain, or even just want to uh, touch base with you? Yeah, so I'm open to people connecting with me through email. So my email is alfil.galarin at fl ci.ca. Uh, you can also uh, visit our website, which is flci.ca. Uh, for our latest articles, blogs, as well as our thoughts, uh, you can also connect with me on LinkedIn. So uh, those are different ways uh, you can uh, touch base with me. Awesome. And I'll put all the links in the description in the podcast. So you guys go check them out.